Welcome to the podcast of top executive coach, Tony Mayo. This podcast is a conversation with one of Tony's clients, management consultant, Ron Diamond. What came up for me was something, putting something at stake. So in my life, for for so we should bet a stake on this game. We have stake, yes, eight ounce, quarter ounce. Uh, the, the I've noticed that when I have something more. In fact, I, I saw a website yesterday. Um, dang, I can't remember the name of it, but it has to do with it. It's a it's an intermediate at stakeness website. In other words, you you make a bet that you're going to do something, and you put some money up, and you bet with other people. Really? Yeah, and some people put thousands of dollars up. You know, I'm going to lose so much, so many oh, pounds by such and such sure. a date. Yeah, yeah. Here's my thousand dollars, and here are the four people playing with me. That if I don't lose that weight by that time, I will. In fact, there was a great entry about two people when they have this uh, this bet and put something at stake, they can tend to push the goal out. They they let each other off the hook. They don't hold their feet oh. to the fire. And this website is supposed to help you hold your feet to the fire. Well, public promise is, is a very powerful thing. In fact, I always finish my group meetings yeah. by going around the room and every person has an opportunity to make a promise. And I say, I know a lot of you have written things down that you're going to do. If you really want to do it, say it out loud in front of the group. It just escalates the likelihood that you'll do it. Because that's the at stake is being being you're being true, truthful to your word, keeping your promises. Looking good. Being, we all want to look good. Yeah. We're all trying to not seem like we're screwing up, being failures. So let's use it. Yeah. I mean, we're wired that way. So let's take advantage of it and put ourselves out there. That was another part of the thing I was very aware of in my great day yesterday is, for instance, I told this colonel that I would get the invitation out tonight. I got to be 830. I had a very long, tough day. And I thought, I said I would do this. It wasn't a burden. It was, I said I would do this, yeah. and I'm committed to doing what I say. So I did it. And you said it to a colonel, and there's got to be some difference. He has a gun. Did I mention the guns? <laughs> and he outranks you. you know, <laughs> there must be something, especially in that domain of military, of keeping your word. I mean, you have to, right? Well, that's... Uh, shall there, we talk about there's that? There's lives at stake in some cases. Yes, there's, there has to be that discipline and rigor. Yeah, but it, in the military, it may be different today. But there was a limitation built into that. I had the great privilege and honor of having, at one point in my career, two uh, former military officers as my direct reports. You know, one you know is Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my daily departed friend, Ray Winslow, is a captain in the uh, Naval Reserve Intelligence. And also I had uh, Chet Riley, who was a retired colonel from the Marine Corps. I met Chet, too. I did not realize that. Yeah. And he was just out when he, he I think it was his first job. So those are my direct reports. And I remember one day calling him into my office. This was a, uh, a startup outside investors saying, we need to up our game here a little bit. I need you guys to swing out, essentially make bigger promises about what you're going to deliver for the company. And they both rather righteously said, well, we're men of honor. We only make promises we know we can keep. Wow. So well, that sounds admirable. Problem is, I promised the shareholders we're going to get their money back. That's a promise I don't know how to keep. So unless we start making lots of promises we're not sure how to deliver on, we will fail. See, you get very, if you only make promises that you're absolutely sure you can keep, you end up with little tiny weeny promises. Mm. 
all the great stuff comes about when people just take on things they're not sure they know how to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we shall bring a man to the moon and bring him back safely by the end of this decade. And all the guys at Cape Canaveral going, oh, what did he say? I mean, we didn't have a reliable rocket at that point. Uh, and Kennedy also tells a story of that you may have heard of sometimes the, the kids be out running through the fields and stuff, uh, having fun. And they'd come to a, a fence that they weren't sure they could climb. So they take off their hat or their shoe and throw it over the fence. Well, now they've got to get over the fence or their parents are going to kill them. Yeah. Uh, so the expression arose in the Kennedy administration of we're going to throw our hat over the fence on this one. We don't know we can do this, but it's worth giving it our very, very best try. Wow. So now this isn't permission for uh, failing at everything you set out to do. It's a way to stretch. So real integrity, and we could again spend an hour on this, maybe we will sometime, is you do what you'll say you'll do. And as soon as you know you can't, you communicate with the people affected by it and deal with the consequences. Mm. So I can make big promises, things I'm not sure how to deliver on. But once I, it becomes clear that circumstances have changed, new information is available, that it won't be possible to do it, then I go to the person and I deal with it. It could be something small, like the colonel. I said, I'll get this invitation out this evening. Well, it gets to be 1159, uh, isn't gonna happen. I would write him an email and say, Colonel, I'm sorry, I can't get the invitation out tonight. If you, you, need, well, you can do what you need to do. If you need to offer these spaces to someone else, you go, ahead, go ahead and do that. Uh, and you know, I deal with the consequences of not having delivered. Or in the case of the investors. Uh, in that case, we, we lost everybody's money. You know, it didn't work out. It was a dot bomb. I went to the major investor, uh, drove to the business he owned, I sat down with him and said, uh, as far as we can tell, it's not going to work out. You know, here are the reasons. We, we, we did everything we could. I wish we'd, it turned out differently, and, and I'm sorry. And this is a guy who's known for flights of temper, and he's Sicilian. I guess that says it all. And he said, well, I, I'm convinced you guys did everything you could. I really appreciate you coming out here and telling me. Wow. And that, I never heard a word from him about it since. Wow. So it, that's the part that so many people miss. It's the... As long as you're willing to deal with it, have the conversation, face up to it, be genuine, then you can make big promises. And big promises are the gateway to big results. This is in the domain of what I hear called BHAGs or, or, or big, yeah. hairy, audacious goals. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's a way to stretch. There's a lot there. So on this conversation about holding the space, mm. something happened on one of these long walks with the dog. Oh. The last couple of days in fact it was the morning before i met with lowell i was walking through some woods near here it was just me and the dog i walked full face into a spider web oh dear it's very hot and humid it was sweaty i immediately tried to push the cobweb off my face i flicked off my glasses so i can see about this far you know let's i'll demonstrate that's how far i can see a foot that's that's but yeah like 12 inches i can see clearly and my glasses as you can see are essentially two thin black wires with invisible glass they're hard to find on my nightstand now they're in the leaf litter in the vines in the poison ivy which i had noticed and for a moment i felt 
this sensation of just helplessness. I'd been watching a documentary about someone who's a, become a paraplegic. I thought this must be a taste of what it's like to really lose a physical capacity. I'm out here in the woods. I can't find my glasses. And there's nobody around. And my family's out of town. Well, it was a terrible sensation. So first I got down on my hands and knees and started running my hands through the poison ivy trying to feel for my glasses. I asked the dog a few times. He was useless. <laughs> I mean, he could see perfectly well, but no help. I said, smell for them. I mean, you, you get that nose you're always using. Nothing. Well, I did that for a while. got no results. And then I thought, well, I've got this iPhone 4 in my pocket. It's basically a, a tricorder. It must be good for something. <laughs> so I took it out. And the first thing I did is I dropped the pin on the GPS. So I would have the spot in case I walked home to get my other pair of glasses. I was pretty sure I could walk home without seeing. But I was concerned that someone else might step on my glasses. Mm. And they're pretty expensive. So I put a pin there in case I had to come back. And then I thought, oh, I'll use the camera. So I'd use the digital camera. I hold that within a foot of my face so I can see the screen, and it's got this and things in focus. Oh, wow. So I did this sort of pan for a while. It didn't do it. Hmm. It's just the, the resolution of the field of view just wasn't enough. And 10, 15 minutes had gone by. And I thought, well, I've got to, I just can't find them. I give up. I'm going to have to take their chance that someone's going to step on them or lose them or, or steal them. Um, and then I remembered some. Davy Crockett thing. I thought, well, I'll break a branch over so I have the exact location in case oh. the GPS. GPS is only good for 60 feet or so. Yeah, yeah. So I reached out to a shrub to break a branch. I saw something move near my toe. I looked down, my glasses were right at the toe of my shoes. And I thought, this is sort of a Zen thing. Maybe you've had this experience, but I know many times. The moment I give up yeah. is when it works. Yeah. It's something about the grasping and the needing mm. that creates a space for it not showing up. And I was talking to Lowell about this. I said, for instance, I know so many people, maybe you've heard similar stories, struggle with infertility for years. Finally say, it's over. It's too hard on our bodies. It's too expensive. We give up. Let's just go to the weekend to the beach and forget about it and they get pregnant hmm. it means they give up and it works and talking to lowell what i realized is when you're looking for something or when you need something the space is it's lost the more focused you are on something's lost the more the space you're creating is it's not there all of your physiology, your language, your actions are aligned with, I can't find it. Wow. When you give up, all that goes away. And then there's space for you to see it. And I'm wondering how to take that into my own life for my day-to-day -day business. Mm -hmm. So I automatically want to think about what I'm holding on to, mm -hmm. like a failure, like uh, the velocity of my business or the rates that I charge or attracting new clients as like, uh, you know, it's, we're in a recession. I'm not going to get another client like I had two years ago at those rates. So I, I create that and that's what I hold on to. Yeah. Or even more clever people say, well, it's a recession. So I have to do this. I have to do that. And the more things you do, in the space of recession, the more everything you do is aligned with, it's a recession. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had one client who, in the summer of 08, right after the president and the secretary of the treasury and the head of the Federal Reserve went on TV to, to tell everyone, the sky is falling, uh, and the economy fell off a cliff, he announced to my, one of my groups of chief executives that I coach, uh, I had a meeting with my executive team. We decided not to participate in the recession. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? They didn't. Wow. Two years later, almost to the day, they did not participate in the recession. Wow. Wow. And again, I don't think it's magic. I think it changes the way you behave, the way you look, what you do, how people interact with you. You know, Zig Ziglar, the great sales trainer, tells a story right along these lines. He was at a, a luncheon for some real estate agents. I think it was Detroit, where the real estate market has been bad since, well, since we took it from the Indians. Actually, I think we took it from the Canadians. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so he's sitting with these real estate agents. Zig turns to one person and says, well, how's business? The real estate says, oh, it's terrible. They closed the mill. People are moving away in droves. Nothing is moving. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Turns to the side. Says to the real estate agent, how's business? She says, it's fantastic. Ever since they closed the mill, all the other real estate brokers have given up. I've got the market to myself. <laughs> wow. It's like the, the shoe salesman in the jungle. Nobody wears shoes. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wears shoes. Yeah. It's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just optimism, as we said. It's not just affirmations. It, it's actually shifting what you're working towards. And for instance, I was with a, a group of managers uh, just the other day, and they were talking about uh, people not being reliable not getting things in on time. And so here's something very important to shift in the way you relate to that. So it's because I can tell from the current of this meeting, the way you deal with that is, this is wrong. The person should be reliable. I mean, we're paying them. They're competent. Mm -hmm. Why aren't they doing the things that they know they should be doing that I told them to do? This is wrong. So it's the whole space of something's wrong. And I, as the hero manager, get to fix it. And if you're the hero manager who fixes things, what do you need? Stuff that's wrong. Oh, yeah. So space continues. So try this. Someone comes to you. You say, where is the report on the sales calls? It's not done. What's the first thing you're inclined to say automatically? Why not? Why not? Very good. When you ask someone why not, what period of time are they talking about? Uh, it depends, doesn't it? The past. Whenever you ask someone why not, they're talking, you're asking them what happened in the oh, past, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this happened and I couldn't do this. Yeah, right. so here you're a manager with this employee and you're talking about the past. How much influence do you two have over the past? None. None. Good use of time. Mm. Try this. The person comes to you, where's the report? It's not done. When are you going to get that for me? Uh. What do you need to get that completed? Mm. Is there some support, some resource, some information that you need to get that done in the future, which is where all your power is. Mm. It's make a shift now that's going to influence the future. 
we all know know intellectually that the past is gone and unchangeable there's got to be some lesson learned from back there though isn't there yeah. why not the lesson is to focus on the future because <laughs> <laughs> you've tried that whole of your past to try to fix the past before that past and yeah. it didn't work yeah it worked a little bit maybe seemed to have worked but it's always what are people going to do next what's yeah. next just mm. like integrity you didn't keep your promise well now what's next so there's got to be a next? point at which you're dealing with somebody who continually makes promises about the future and doesn't keep them mm -hmm. so when do you hold that as you know hold them hold them accountable yeah well what i ask people is they'll, they'll say i didn't get it done i'm sorry it won't happen again so okay great i'm glad you recognize that it's a problem that you regret it and that you're committed to having it not happen again now tell me what you're going to do to have it not happen again or to be more clean about it what are you going to do to perform the way you intend mm. you know, show me some structure uh, are you going to keep records a different way are you going to meet with me more often are you going to learn a skill what are you going to do to make it different? Just having you regret it. Yeah, I, 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 sometimes when I exasperate as bigly with kids, uh, I say, I don't want you to be sorry. I want you to be better. Mm. Yeah. Don't, don't be sorry. You know, be better. Make something happen. Make some change. And then I can support you on that. I can't fix the past. And often that's a lot of that going on. Mm. A lot of these conversations with managers, even more so with parents, but with uh, business people, they get it very quickly. Mm -hmm. They'll come in and start saying these things. I said, well, it sounds like you're asking me to give you, give you permission to not have done that. And this is your job. You know, give me these excuses, these reasons, this wonderful story, this drama. What are you trying to get from that? You want absolution? I mean, am I supposed to get out the holy water? Right. I mean, that's, that's, I can't do that for you. Tell me what's next. Tell me what's next. Yeah. Because that's where we're going to live in the future. Brilliant. With luck. <laughs> yeah, so there's something about this letting go. That the, in, in Buddhism, they talk about grasping and being attached to things. Yeah. yeah the, uh, what is it? The more we grasp for things, the harder it is to grip them. Mm. Yeah. What you yeah, because, what you resist persists. Well, yeah, and that's the, sort of the inverse of yeah. it. You know, when you're trying to make something not happen, it yeah. tends to happen because yeah. that's what you're using your attention and your energy on is the thing you want not to have. Yeah. Okay, right now, don't think about a pink Volkswagen Beetle. Right. Good luck with that. Yeah. Now, if I warn you that I'm going to start mentioning things to not think about, you could probably prepare yourself. How would you prepare yourself? Uh, a blank slate, ignore you. Blank slate. Can you do a blank slate? Not really. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe there's a cave in Nepal where a guy can do that. <laughs> no, what do you do? To think, think about something else. Yeah, you choose mm. what to think about. Mm. We can do that. Mm. A lot of times we don't. We just let the culture, the, what's on the TV, who's around us, decide what we're, our brain is being used for. They, mm. they colonize our brain. They parasitize it. Yeah, there's lots of people out there who want to use you. you know, there's one expression that's popular is, if you're not working your plan, you're working somebody else's plan. Yeah. yeah. That's just... So, you know, choosing what you think about, then you do it, but trying to not do something. You can't not do something. You can only do something. Mm. <sighs> well, I think we laid down some tracks here today. I think so. 
All right, Moondoggy's going to sign off. <laughs> what is that, your CB handle? Moondoggy? Uh, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. This is, yeah. uh, I think, a worthwhile endeavor. I think we should reward ourselves with copious quantities of tasty food. Let's do that. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. More information is available at TonyMayo.com. We appreciate your comments, suggestions for future topics, and most of all, stories of how you applied the coaching. Our email address is podcast at mayogenuine.com. This podcast is the property of top executive coach, Tony Mayo, copyright 2011.